Should food be mentioned in a eulogy? Should we postpone all pleasure until the world to come? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 83 of Tractic Subas. And we learn that God wants us to enjoy his world right here, right now. Don't wait until retirement to enjoy life. Welcome to the Transformative Duff and thank you for being my Rissa today. I like to begin with the story. Rabbinical conventions are filled primarily with opportunities for professional development, including advanced Torah seminars and training sessions from experts in pastoral fields, including management consultants and psychologists. Nevertheless, there's always time for networking and the sharing of ideas and experiences. On one such occasion, I recall sitting with a few rabbis in the tea room and discussing some of the more unusual funeral and shiva anecdotes. The topic turned to food, and the common theme many rabbis encounter when they meet with a family in mourning. Rabbi, you have to mention Mama's kugel. Shabbos just won't be the same without her kugel, one of my colleagues retold. That's nothing, recounted a seasoned colleague. I was once conducting a funeral when the husband of the deceased began wailing. Oi, the apple strudel, oi, the apple strudel. I can't live without your apple strudel. At one point, as we were lowering the coffin, continued the rabbi, the man had to be held back physically. It looked like he was serious about being unable to go on with his life without his wife's apple strudel. The rabbi sitting there nodded in unison and agreed that it was difficult but necessary to impress upon the families in mourning that the important aspects to memorialize were the good midas, the good character traits of their dearly departed loved ones. The acts of kindness that they'd performed, the charity that they'd given, the lessons that they'd imparted to their family. Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Mishnah, one who writes a prenuptial agreement stating I have no legal claim to your property may still consume the produce of his wife's property during her lifetime, and when she dies, he is her inheritor. But if he still retains his rights, why would he write I have no claim to your property? The result of this statement is that if she sold or gave away her property, the transaction is binding. Says the Gemara, But why can the wife not say to him, you removed your entire claim? A buyer said, The holder of the claim document always has the lower hand and can therefore only make the narrowest claim. Then why not say that the husband has merely withdrawn his rights from the produce and retained the rights to sold property? A buyer said, A cucumber in the hand is better than a gourd in the bush. Let's analyze the Gemara. The Mishnah discusses a couple who wrote a prenup whereby the groom relinquished all rights to his bride's assets. The effect of such an agreement is that he has no say if she decides to sell her property and no claim to the proceeds of the sale. Nevertheless, so long as the property, let's say a field, remains in her possession, he may benefit from the crops it produces. The Gemara asks why he retains a claim to their produce. Abaya answers that we interpret their prenup in the narrowest terms possible. We cannot assume that the groom relinquished all his rights, but only certain rights. Therefore, we say that the relinquished rights concern the proceeds of a property sale, but not the crop that her property is producing. The Gemara then asks why we don't make the opposite assumption. A sale of the entire land is a significant matter relative to the minor value of its produce. Why would he have given up his claim to the actual property? Abaya answers that a cucumber is better than a gourd, which is akin to the contemporary adage, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. The husband's immediate access to the produce would concern him more than a potential future sale of the property. 
In Pirkei Avos, we learn Rabbi Yaakov teaches, one moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than an entire lifetime in this world. But if a cucumber is better than a good, who would want to wait until the world to come to receive reward? Wouldn't it be better to receive reward right here, right now? The Kotzkareva explains this, that the concept of the cucumber and the good is only true in this world of falsehood. In heaven, which is the world of truth, it goes without saying that immediate pleasure is valueless next to eternal bliss. Two of my favorite teachings about pleasure in this world are ideas expressed so beautifully by Rabbi Moshe Alshech and Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch. The Alshech explains Rivka's insistence on Yaakov receiving the material blessings of earthly prosperity in terms of her belief that one who dedicates himself to Torah and mitzvahs is entitled to blessing both in the next world and in this world. In our tradition, we don't repudiate the joys and pleasures of this earth. God wants to reward us both in this world and in the world to come. Similarly, Rav Hirsch would explain to his flock that to vacation in the Swiss Alps was a fulfillment of his divine mission of appreciating all the wonders of the Creator. Judaism is not an ascetic, otherworldly religion. God gave us this world to enjoy, and He gets nachas when we're enjoying ourselves. After all, the nature of goodness is to bestow goodness. From these two great rabbis, it's clear that pleasure in this world is not something that we simply ignore while we save up for the world to come. And so the question becomes, what should be our approach to enjoyment in this world? While we're not ascetic, we're certainly not hedonistic either. It's not all about pleasure-seeking. Nor is it all about pleasure denial. Like most things in Judaism, it's about finding the golden path down the middle. Enjoyment in moderation. What's most extraordinary about the teaching of the Kotzka Rebbe is that he doesn't say that we should strive to place the gourd before the cucumber throughout our lives. His contrast between this world and the next appears to acknowledge that in this world, it's okay to enjoy our cucumbers. Not all the time because we're not hedonistic, but constant denial of the cucumber is also not a Jewish value. That's why we have a mitzvah of Oneg Shabbos, enjoying the Shabbat. Every week we are enjoined to enjoy ourselves with meat, fish, and all manner of delicacy. And on the festival, we're instructed to step it up and provide even greater delicacies in order to amplify and elevate our level of joy. But it's an important message for our lives in general. Too many people work and work and believe in postponing their pleasure until some occasion in the future, when they'll have time and money to retire and enjoy life. Meanwhile, they're so busy that they miss out on all the joyous moments in the present. Their child's sitter presentation or little league game, the Hanukkah concert, and sadly so much more. I cry when I think about the people that I've known over the years who postponed everything till later, and then sadly heaven decreed that there would be no later. The message of the cucumber is that God wants us to enjoy his world today. In fact, retirement is a secular social construct. Judaism has no such concept. God wants you to work for as long as you physically can, and he wants you to allocate time to enjoying his world along the way. While the stories of the kugel and apple strudel might have sounded a little inane to certain of my colleagues, I believe that they are no less important than the stories of the deceased's charitable pursuits. God wants us to enjoy this world, and if the strudel enhanced the family's Shabbos experience, then it deserves a mention in the eulogy, because the deceased achieved exactly what our Father in Heaven desires most, that we have pleasure. What better way to eulogize a loved one than to extol their unique ability to fulfill God's ultimate plan? 
May you enjoy this world in just the right amount for every stage of your life. Wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf. Shir Hadash, Shir Hadash, Shir Shir